What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to half a dozen episodes. It is week six of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019-2020 NFL regular season and postseason, and at the very least, we got the straight-up picks turned around from a very disappointing 6-9 uh, and nine week 5. In fact, we flipped the script on that, went 9-6 and six straight up, but the betting picks, I'm frustrated. I'll just be perfectly honest with you. I am a frustrated YouTuber sitting here doing this podcast, doing this episode, because I started off really good. Like, I started off, I think, winning four of the first five or five of the first six games, something like that, and then went on an absolute ice-cold streak on both sides and, and wound up, you know, in the clink, underwater, if you will, for another consecutive week. But... Straight up picks, 9-6, and 43-34-1 straight up on the season. I'm not happy with that. It's not where I want to be. It's only an average of like, I don't know, 8 to 9 correct picks per week, which is not what I'm used to. I'm used to 10+, plus, and that's where I'm going to get back to. That starts, obviously, the work on that begins this week. But against the spread, 7-8. and eight. So I was under 500. Now 17 games under 500 against the spread, 30, 47, and 1. On the totals, we celebrated last week because I finally got back to 500, and then I went 6 and 9 on the totals last week. So 37, 40, and 1. Here is my guarantee to you in one month's time, when I sit here to do the week 10 episode, not only will I be above 500 on the totals, I will be at or above 500 against the spread. That is my guarantee to you. If it does not happen, I will face a punishment. More to come on that later. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks were an absolute mixed bag. I only went two and two straight up. Like my platinum pick, Kansas City losing to Indianapolis somehow. Uh, silver pick, the Chargers losing to Denver somehow. I mean, I did at least get Philly beating the Jets and the 49ers and absolutely decimating the Cleveland Browns last night on Monday Night Football. So it was only two and two straight up. The only against the spread play that I got correct was the Niners because I only took them at minus three and a half. Had the Chargers minus six and a half and the Chiefs minus ten and a half. Neither of those work out because they lost. I had the Jets covering plus thirteen and a half and they get blown out by the Eagles so that doesn't cover either. And I missed all four totals in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze last week. I had all four of them going over and all four of them stayed under. I mean, there's some silver linings to certain things, which we'll talk about as the episode progresses, but honestly, like, I'm just really frustrated with how I've performed for the first five weeks of the season, and uh, it, it just, it, it's got to change, and it's going to change, and if it doesn't, then, like I say, punishment time. Taking a look at both the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick em pools. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I did climb up a couple of spots last week. I'm now in 19th place out of 37, so right in that meaty part of the curve. Uh, 408 out of 648 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 63%. In week 5, I brought in 73 of the 120 possible confidence points, but 12 of those came on the Monday nighter last night. 
That's a clip of 61%. It's not terrible, but it's still not where we want to be. Shout out to our week five winner, Matthew Parker 72. Now, Matthew has been a probably my most active Twitter follower in terms of interacting with me, messaging me, asking me questions, talking shop on sports. Probably the most active Twitter follower I've ever, ever had. A long time, long time follower. And like, I, I love any chance I get to talk to Matthew. Excellent insights into sports. And look, it paid off this week. He won in week five. 12 and three straight up was Matthew Parker. 90 of the 120 possible confidence points. So he did lose big, but still 12 and three straight up. That's fantastic. 90 of 120 is a clip of 75%. Justin V remains our overall leader at 49, 28 and one on the season. 459 out of 648 possible confidence points for a championship clip of 71%. In the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick and pool, I still sit in a tie for 23rd out of the 36 people in that pool with my 43 straight up wins out of the 78 games played so far on the season. It's only 55%. It is a full like 15% below what I want to strive for every single week. And, you know, on the season, I want to be that 70% straight up. I want to be that 60% against the spread. Those are the goals that we're pushing towards. Brought in 9 of the 15 games correctly in week 5. That's a clip of 60%. Week 5 winner, shout out to Dick's Picks as well as Rachel's Picks. They went 11-4 and four in that pool combined. That is a clip of 73%, each of them going 11 and 4. Rel Eagles Fly and Bailey's picks are our overall leaders. 50 of the 78 games picked correctly straight up. That is a clip of 64%, and it is good enough to lead the pack. So shoutouts to Matthew Parker72, Dick's Picks, and Rachel's Picks for winning week 5, and to Justin V, Rel Eagles Fly, and Bailey's Picks for being our overall leaders. I was safe in week five in Hatbox's official survival pool, still alive, still only have the single strike that I picked up last week with the Los Angeles Rams. That was in week four, actually. 20 of our 35 participants are still alive, but 13 of those 20, myself included, sit in that pool with one strike. One more wrong, and they are gone. Like I mentioned, I had the Rams incorrect in week four. Last week, I took the Philadelphia Eagles. I was very confident about their ability to beat the New York Jets, and that certainly happened. Taking a peek now into Fantasy Corner to see how my eight fantasy football teams did in week five action. My teams went six and two across the eight leagues that I am a member of. Again, really, really, really strong season. I think that has me 30 and 10 now on the season. So feeling pretty good about how fantasy is going thus far. In the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, I picked up the Monday Night Miracle, but like in reverse against tanking for Tua, which is Gavin O'Connor. Gavin absolutely should have beaten me. I had a lead. He had uh, Jarvis Landry as well as uh, Matt Breda. And Matt Breda had two early touchdowns in that game. And Gavin honestly should have just been able to chip damage his way to a win. But late in the game, they pulled Matt Breda and uh, Baker Mayfield just had a bad game overall. I wound up beating Gavin by a half point, 
which is the equivalent of an assisted tackle in our league. So crazy, crazy, crazy that I could hold on by that small of a margin. I honestly, I kind of felt bad about it. I was hoping for a stat correction, but it didn't happen. So I do sit at four and one in that pool, still only in third place, but I got a week six matchup coming up against Half Moon's picks, Stephen Coleman, a fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator, one of the more successful prognosticators in the community over the last few years. It's a projected win for me, but I'm not taking anything for granted. And in the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I did pick up the win. That was the Monday Night Miracle. I needed a 16 to 17 point PPR performance from George Kittle. I got that capped off by the touchdown that was thrown to him from Jimmy G. That moves me to 5-0, a flawless 5-0 on the season. Third place out of the 12 teams in that league. I've got a week six matchup coming up against Blind Canadian Cats. That's Cody Roy Parker and uh, he's also undefeated. So this is a battle of 5-0 and versus 5-0. and Right now, I am projected to win by about a touchdown, but obviously, you don't get to 5-0 and for nothing, so that's going to be a hell of a game. So, Gavin O'Connor, as well as uh, Jackalopes, thank you so much for the Week 5 matchups and Blind Canadian Cats and Half Moon's picks. We got a little business to take care of here in Week 6. And I'll take this opportunity in the show to remind you, as I always do, that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts like this one, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week six in the NFL. You can find information on joining both the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators. Pick em pools, never too late to join up. Put your picks head to head against mine and the best cappers and best progs in this community. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page where we talk football all week long. Excellent little community. Make sure you join up and make your voice be heard. You can also find information on my lovely and wonderful sponsors at Nerd Tees. Look, Christmas ain't getting any further away, folks. Nerdtees.ca. Hit that promo code, which is BWFINEST, and when you do that, you're going to save 15% on your order at Nerd Tees. You're also going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 75 bucks. so make sure you order a lot because the winter is cold. If you're in the U.S., two clicks of a button, everything is in a U.S. dollar for you, and the conversion rate is excellent right now between the U.S. and Canadian dollar. Today's blend is one that I haven't actually talked about very much on this show. Certainly I haven't talked about it at all this year. It's Tangerine Twist, and it's very similar to like Japanese Orange Cooler, which I've talked about on this show before. It's citrusy. It's got a sharp smell to it. It's a black tea. It's really, really, really tasty. I only had a small sample pack of it, but I think I'll be ordering a full pack next time I make an order from nerdtease.ca, which you should also do. And when you do that, use that promo code BWFINEST. And when you do that, you're going to save 15%. And when you do that, make sure you order a lot because you can get free shipping in Canada on any order over 75 bucks. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love just in time for the holidays. You can do it at nerdtease.ca. 
The weekly schedule continues to shrink, but my episodes don't seem to get any shorter. Funny how that works. We got four teams on by this week, Buffalo, Chicago, Indianapolis, as well as the Oakland Raiders. So only 14 games on the schedule. Let's get started in Tampa Bay. Bucks playing host to the Carolina Panthers. Worth noting, too, that this game is the second of the NFL's international games on the schedule, being played in the same stadium this week that the Bears and Raiders played in last week. That is the Tottenham Hotspurs Stadium in London. Obviously a division matchup of the NFC South here. Panthers at 3-2, and two, Bucks at 2-3, and three, with basically the worst defense in that division, although the Atlanta Falcons are a thing, at least based on scoring defense. Carolina coming up with a one-possession victory last week at home against Jacksonville. That was 34-27. to Tampa Bay on the opposite end of a one-possession game. A loss, another division game, against New Orleans in New Orleans. After starting the season 0-2, the Panthers have reeled off three consecutive wins. They're scoring points. The defense is starting to turn things around a little bit, even though they gave up 27 points to Jacksonville. But that's the whole Gardner Minshew thing and... Weird stuff happens when it comes to the most interesting quarterback in football. Panthers have turned things around. They're playing good football. Much of the Panthers' success has been found on the ground. Carolina running the number four run offense in football, but they're going up against the number two run defense in football, that being, surprisingly, the Tampa Bay Bucks. So the Bucks front seven versus Christian McCaffrey might be the most interesting single matchup this week. Obviously, McCaffrey had a big game last week. Let's see if he can duplicate it, an important division game. However, bad news for the Bucks. if they are able to do that, that being if they are able to stifle Christian McCaffrey, at least in the run game, I think they're going to have a hard time stifling him and any other Carolina Panthers skill player in the pass game. You've got the Panthers who sit with the number four pass defense in football. So going to be difficult for Jameis Winston to move the ball through the air. But the Bucks have the single worst pass defense in football to this point in the season through five weeks. Pretty safe to say that's not exactly a fluke. That pass defense is just not very good. So Carolina is going to be able to move the ball through the air. Look look for a big game from DJ Moore. Look for Curtis Samuel to have a good game. Greg Olson, he'll get his four to five targets, three to four catches. He will do some damage through the middle of the field. And again, Christian McCaffrey. Is Christian McCaffrey the NFL MVP up to this point? Since it is a division matchup, we have a lot of recent head-to-head matchups to take a look at, and this is a streaky head-to-head matchup. You've got Tampa Bay has won two straight games, but Carolina won three straight before that. Worth noting, the Bucs have covered three of the last four head-to-head matchups against the spread as underdogs, and the underdog is 6-1 and against the spread in the last seven head-to-head, and that includes four wins straight up. This was definitely worth a long, hard look at the underdog here, which is the home team, the Tampa Bay Bucks. But honestly, I just think the Panthers are a better football team. I don't think Tampa's going to be able to do things through the air that they want to do. And if it comes down to a matchup of run game versus run game, I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers and I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey. And that's what I'm going to do with this game. Let's take Carolina big division win over the Bucks. On the line, like I mentioned, Tampa Bay is the underdog here. They're a two-point dog at home. 
I've only got to lay two points to take Carolina, who I think is the better football team. It's a very small price to pay. Let's lay those two points, take Carolina minus two. Total in the game set at 48 points. I've personally got this capped at like a mid-50. So I feel pretty good about taking the over here. I think this game does get to 50 points at least. So let's take over 48 points in Carolina, Tampa Bay. We're going to go Panthers 31, Bucks 26. Let's go to Cleveland now where the Browns, fresh off that embarrassment from last week, get to come home, but they got to play the Seattle Seahawks. Granted, not the world's greatest road team, but with how Russell Wilson's playing, there could be an argument that Russell Wilson's playing at close to an MVP level. Again, Browns coming in off the short week, an absolute embarrassment last night in San Francisco. 31-3, they get clobbered by the 49ers. Looks like the 49ers might actually kind of be for real here when a lot of people, namely myself, were honestly doubting them. But I tell you a team I am really doubting, I'm really doubting the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they've played five games, they're under 500, they do have two wins, but man, you look at that team last night and like Baker Mayfield looks like he's regressed from last season and that's a bad situation to be in, much less the fact that you're giving up about, I think like 24 points a game and you're not quite scoring 20. So with all the offensive weapons on that team, that being the Cleveland Browns, and I realize they're missing David Njoku and they don't have Kareem Hunt until like week nine. But when you have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, you shouldn't only be scoring 18 points a game. Meanwhile, the Seahawks sit at 4-1, and one, winners of two consecutive games. They picked up the victory last week. I believe that game was at home. Single point victory, a division game, in fact, 30-29 to 29 over the Rams. That was on the Thursday nighter. And this is, this is a very simple one for me. Uh, there's two football teams here. One of them I trust, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle's got the number four run defense in football. Cleveland is the exact opposite in that stat. They are the fourth worst run defense in football. And when you have the Seattle Seahawks and a, an ability to run the football, I also saw very little, if any, pass rush last night from Cleveland. You got the Browns coming in on the short week, Seattle coming in on the long week because they played on Thursday, relatively healthy. I trust one of these teams, not both of them. I trust Seattle. Even though the game's in Cleveland, I'm all over the Seahawks here. Let's take Seattle on the road. On the line, Cleveland is inexplicably a two-point favorite at home. Thank you very much. <laughs> Seattle plus two in a big bad way because I really think they win this game outright. And I don't think it's a one-possession game. We'll put it that way. Total in the game set at 47 points. This is a perfect total as far as I'm concerned. Uh... It was an absolute coin flip to me. I think Seattle is something like 2-1 and one to the over on any number 46 and above or something like that. So since I like them to win, it's the like the leaniest of leans. But I am going to go over on this one just because I don't want to have to sweat a mid-40. So we're going to go over 47 points in Seattle, Cleveland. Let's go Seahawks 31, Browns 17. Let's go to Kansas City now where the Chiefs at home for the second straight game after a loss last week, losing to the Indianapolis Colts. They're going to play host to the Houston Texans. Houston had a monster offensive performance last week where they put up 53 points on the Atlanta Falcons, winning that game 53-32. to Now they did still give up 
32 points. But, I mean, man, when you put 50 on the board, you've had a hell of an offensive game. Like I mentioned, the Chiefs dropping that game on Sunday night at home against Indianapolis, losing that game by a score of 19 to 13. So, I mean, the Chiefs offense only putting up 13 points. There were a lot of problems in that game. There were protection problems. There were penalty problems. The Kansas City defense wasn't getting the stops that it needed to get. Across the board was not a good football team, and they paid for it. This game should have some absolute fireworks in it. This is a battle of two top 10 total offenses in the NFL so far this year. The Chiefs clocking in the number two total offense in football. Houston no slouches at number nine. The Chiefs, however, boasting the third worst run defense. I feel like it's going to be a game for the Houston Texans on the ground. I feel like they're really going to be able to move the football on the ground against the Chiefs. Of note, Sammy Watkins in that game last week, the Sunday nighter for Kansas City, he injured his hamstring. He did not return to the game. His status is uncertain for this one coming up. If they don't have Sammy Watkins, you're talking about Nicole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, and uh, Pringle. I think was it Pringle that was he had a he had a touchdown. He had the touchdown I think for Kansas City in that game last week. But I mean, that's your one, two, three. And like nothing against me, Cole Hardman, and nothing against Demarcus Robinson, who's crazy fast. But when your typical top two is Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, that's a significant downgrade. So if Hill's not ready to go, and if Watkins can't go, that's that's uh, really taking some weapons away from your your all-world franchise quarterback. It is difficult for me to think of a scenario where the Chiefs lose consecutive games at home. They're going to have to figure out the protection because Houston's got a pretty decent little pass rush there, even though it, it should be better than it is, but it's still decent. They got to figure their protection out. They got to figure out their offensive scheme. They got to find out why that game last week was the way that it was. I'm going to run with the assumption that that was a blip on the radar because I know how good this Chiefs offense is. If I wind up being wrong again, maybe it's not a blip on the radar. Maybe it is more serious than what it is. But as of right now, I can only take that as a one-game sample size. I am going to take the Chiefs at home here. This is going to be a high-scoring, high-powered matchup. I cannot wait to watch this football game. Chiefs at home over the Texans. On the line, Chiefs are five-point favorites at home, and I don't think I can take that. After the two performances that I just watched, I feel like five points is a decent enough number that I can hedge here with at least a little bit of confidence because, who knows, Houston could come up and actually steal this game based on how Kansas City performed last week. So, worst-case scenario, if Kansas City is still missing both Hill and and Watkins, and they're rolling out that trio as their wide receivers one, two, and three. I think Houston has enough to get it done here, certainly to cover this number. So we're going to hedge. We're going to go Houston plus five at Kansas City, with the caveat being that could really go either way. Total in the game set at 54 and a half points, and I believe that is our largest uh, total of the week. In fact, it is. I still have the game capped at a high 50, even if some of those offensive weapons are missing. So I still feel fairly good about telling you to take the over here. We're going to go over 54 and a half points in Kansas City, Houston. We're going to go Chiefs 30, Texans 28. 
Let's go to Miami now because we have to. Dolphins playing host to the Washington Redskins. And maybe the single biggest piece of news to come out of week five. The Washington Redskins firing Jay Gruden as head coach after their 0-5 start. Gruden ends his tenure in Washington. Certainly on the lowest of low notes. I think it's safe to say that. So look, coaching change mid-season has a a rather checkered history of whether it works out or not. You've got the Miami Dolphins entering this game off of their bye. Look, the Dolphins to this point have been historically bad. Like, they're 0-4. They've scored 26 points in four games. Historically bad. The Washington Redskins are getting close to historically bad territory. They're 0-5, and they're giving up 30 points a game. These are two bottom five total offenses. Miami, the second worst. Washington, the fifth worst. These are two bottom five total defenses. Miami, the worst. Washington, the fifth worst. I have to run on the assumption that someone has to win this game. (laughs) Like, this is basically the battle for the first overall pick. Like, I get that. Somebody's got to win. So why not take the team that's in their own building? I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins to win this game. Like, look, coaching change midseason. Who knows what kind of schemes or anything that the their uh, Gruden's replacement is, is going to have drawn up for this game specifically. You got Miami, who at the very least is well-rested because they're coming off the bye. They're at home. This is going to be Miami's best chance to win a game this season. So I don't necessarily know that they're an 0-16 team, but 1-15 sounds about right. So I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins at home to win this toilet bowl and beat the Washington Redskins in Miami. Certainly helps that I'm getting 3.5 points against the spread. Miami a 3.5 point dog at home. We like him to win. Even if I didn't like him to win, I would certainly be hedging my bets on that because Washington is a bad football team. So we're going to take Miami plus the 3.5 points at home against Washington. Total in the game set at 41 points. I think this is a pretty perfect total. It's a bit of a lean, but I actually kind of think this just like drags itself over in the last minute or two garbage time if you will which would be rather symbolic with this uh, with this matchup so we're going to go over 41 points in Miami Washington Dolphins 22 Redskins 21 Let's go to Minnesota now where the Vikings are going to play host to the Philadelphia Eagles and this could just very well be sneaky one of the games of the week Both of these teams enter this game at 3-2, both of them entering, coming off of wins last week. The Eagles have in fact won two straight. Minnesota got the job done last week in New York, handing the Giants a 28-10 loss on their own home field. Philadelphia, with that aforementioned 31-6 beatdown against the Jets, that was in Philadelphia. With Philadelphia scoring close to 30 points a game, they definitely have the edge on the offensive side here, but the Vikings in five games have only surrendered 73 points. That's what, 15 points a game against? So on the defensive side, you definitely got to lean to the hometown Vikings. 
Vikings have basically been getting it done one way and one way only, that being on the ground. The Vikings sporting the fourth worst pass offense in football, but the number three run offense. And that is going to be paramount in a game between two top 10 total defenses. Minnesota, number four in the NFL. Philly holding strong at number 10. I expect this to be a defensive battle. I expect points to be at a premium. But I kind of like the hometown Vikings here. I think they're going to be able to get the job done on the ground. Kirk Cousins at least showed that he knows what Adam Thielen's face looks like when he connected with him on a touchdown pass. So we'll look to see if that builds on itself against a good defense this time in the Philadelphia Eagles. But I am going to skew for the hometown Vikings. Let's take Minnesota in this one at home to beat Philadelphia. On the line, Vikings are three-point favorites. I like them to win. It's a relatively small price to pay at exactly a field goal. So let's lay those three points and take Minnesota minus three. Total in the game set at 43.5 points. I don't have this game hitting 40. I capped this right around a mid-30 low-scoring game. Again, points at a premium. So we are going to take under 43.5 points in Philadelphia, Minnesota. We're going to go Vikings 21 Eagles 16. Let's go to Jacksonville now where the Jags are going to play host to the New Orleans Saints. Jags coming into this game with a little bit of injury news to report and that is tight end James O'Shaughnessy. According to Ian Rapoport, he suffered a torn ACL. They were talking like oh knee injury knee injury but you know Rapoport saying it's a torn ACL his season would be over were that report to be accurate and most of what Rapoport says is in fact accurate now James O'Shaughnessy might not seem like a big name I think if you look at the depth chart for the Jags technically Jeff Swain is listed as the top tight end but in terms of targets receiving yards and touchdowns James O'Shaughnessy has him dwarfed so that is a weapon a tool that is going to be taken out of Gardner Minshew's very interesting tool belt the Jags found themselves on the unhappy side of par last week, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, a 34-27 loss in Carolina against the Panthers. And as we also mentioned earlier, the Saints coming into this game off of a win, 31-24 at home. That was a division matchup against Tampa Bay, so you could make the argument it's two teams going in slightly opposite directions. Saints have reeled off three straight wins. Uh, this, to me, honestly just boils down to which one of these two teams do I think is the better football team top to bottom. And to me, that's the New Orleans Saints. I realize what Gardner Minshew has done. I realize Minshew has made DJ Chark like a, a almost a household name over the last week or two. Chark having himself a couple of big games with Minshew under center. And like I think I said last week or the week before, Nick Foles very slowly losing his job here as a starting quarterback in Jacksonville. They may have found their guy. But top to bottom, the Saints just have too many weapons, man. Jacksonville's defense is good, but especially if Jalen Ramsey is not playing, and I still don't think you're going to see Jalen Ramsey play another down of football for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just don't see them beating the Saints. Even though the game's in Jacksonville, I got to go with my most prodigious gut here and go with the New Orleans Saints. Let's take New Orleans in Jacksonville to beat the Jags. On the line, Jacksonville, a single point favorite at home, which kind of leads me to believe that Vegas is unsure about this game themselves. But I like the Saints to win and I get a point to do it. So let's take the Saints plus one against the spread in Jacksonville. 
Total in the game set at 44.5 points. I think this is a low 50. So I feel fairly confident about going over on the middling 40. Let's go over 44.5 points in Jacksonville, New Orleans. We're going to go Saints 26, Jags 25. Minshew still gets his points. Let's go to Los Angeles now for the other game that you could really look at. Like, this is a marquee matchup this week. The Rams at home playing host to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this is another matchup where Rams are coming in off the long week, having played on Thursday, that one-point loss against Seattle. The Niners are coming in on the short week, that dominating performance last night against the Browns. But they came out of that game, did the 49ers, basically clean on the injury slate. The Rams can't say the same. For the Rams, Brandon Cooks suffering a concussion in that Thursday night game. Now, he's been in protocol since Friday, so it did give him a couple of extra games, or a couple of extra days, sorry, to try and clear protocol and be okay to go in this game but as of right now his status is uncertain i have to operate as if brandon cooks is probably not going to play in this football game i don't know that they would want to mess around with you know a, a real could be a dangerous concussion situation so i don't know whether he'll be cleared enough and right now it seems like nobody else does either Again, this is a division matchup featuring two of the top five total offenses in football. And if I were to tell you before the start of the season, hey, after five weeks, the Rams are going to be a top five total offense, you'd have said, yeah, that makes sense. If I would have told you that the 49ers are going to be a top five total offense and a better statistical total offense than the Los Angeles Rams, I think you would have probably thrown rocks at me. But what I think could be the real difference maker in this football game is that Niners defense. They're the number two total defense in the NFL to this point in the season. Now, yes, you have to take a look at who they've done that against. The Tampa Bay Bucks, okay, bit, bit hit and miss. Cincinnati, don't have A.J. Green, Joe Mixon not running very well. The Pittsburgh Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger, all right. And then the Cleveland Browns. So you have to take into account who they've played to be that number two total defense. But still, you can't watch that game last night and watch how that team works defensively and not be impressed. I do need to see more from Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of being a pocket passing quarterback, but he should have opportunity against a Rams defense that honestly hasn't been playing all that great to start the season. Worth noting, Rams have won three of the last four head-to-head -head matchups, but the Niners are 5-2 and two against the spread in the last seven, coming off of a streak where they covered five straight games against the spread. The Rams have covered the last two, but San Francisco's trend still looks like it's moving up, and that was before they were, you know, good. This may also be at least a little influenced by what the spread says, but I, I like the upset here. I like the 49ers. I, I decided last week that I was going to believe in them for a game and see what happened. And I mean, they, that definitely paid off. I realize the step up in competition here. This is in fact the best opponent that the Niners will have played this season, but I think they're going to rise to that challenge, especially where it's a division opponent that they know very well. I like the Niners here. I'm taking San Francisco in the upset. Let's take the Niners in Los Angeles to beat the Rams. On the line, Rams are favored by four points at home, and I understand why they're a four-point favorite, but especially if Brandon Cooks doesn't play, 
I really like the Niners there. I would think I would be hedging on this number one way or the other, but I like the Niners to win. So let's take those four points and take the Niners plus four. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. I think this is a relatively good number, but I think this game goes over 50. So I feel okay saying take the over over on 48 and a half points in Rams and Niners. Let's go San Francisco 35. I think they're going to get their points. Rams 18. Let's go to Arizona now where the Arizona Cardinals are going to play host to the Atlanta Falcons. And now Atlanta is the only team this week that is playing the back half of back-to-back road games. Now they're coming off of that loss last week where they the defense absolutely disappeared against the Houston Texans, giving up over 50. But the offense did score 30, so the offense, you know, had their opportunities. The Cards, meanwhile, coming into this game off of a three-point victory in Cincinnati last week, 26-23 to over the Bengals. So they got to be feeling fairly good about themselves picking up that first win. On Arizona's sideline, however, they do have to deal with an injury concern in their secondary. Cornerback Tremaine Brock suffering a shoulder injury in that game last week. He did not return to the game and his status for this week is uncertain. That would definitely be a hit to that Cardinal secondary that honestly hasn't exactly been playing the greatest on the season so far. In fact, this is a matchup of two bottom 10 total defenses so far on this season. Arizona, the fourth worst total defense in football. Atlanta, only number 23. So they're inside that bottom 10. And missing a guy like Tremaine Brock should only mean that there's a couple more avenues open for the Falcons' number three pass offense so far on the season. They're not running the ball very well. They're the fifth worst run offense. But if you can move the ball through the air, that should be all you need. I think even though this is a back-to-back road situation for the Falcons, since they lost last week, I really don't feel bad about taking them this week. I think they're the better team. I think they're going to be able to move the ball through the air. I don't think Arizona is going to come up and beat them in this game. They're obviously looking for, uh, they being the Falcons, looking for redemption after a really bad defensive performance last week. I think they get it this week. Let's take the Falcons on the road in Arizona to beat the Cardinals. On the line, Arizona's a point and a half dog at home. I understand certainly why they are. I only have to lay a point and a half to take Atlanta. It's a very small price to pay. So we're going to lay that point and a half and take the Falcons minus one and a half on the road in Arizona. Total in the game set at 52 points. I think this is a pretty good number and I'm kind of leaning on it, but I do think it gets upwards of a mid 50, even maybe pushing a high 50. So it is a lean, but I think we're going to go over on this one. Let's go over 52 points in Atlanta, Arizona. Let's go Falcons 30, Cardinals 27. From an offensive showcase, let's go to a defensive showcase. Let's go to Denver now, where the Broncos are going to play host to the Tennessee Titans. Two offenses that have question marks at best, and two defenses are playing fairly well. Even though the Broncos are only 1-4, they picked up the win last week against a better offense and a better, I think, total football team than them, that being the Los Angeles Chargers. That was a division victory for Denver. They got to be riding fairly high off of that, winning that game 20-13. The Titans, meanwhile, dropping a one-possession loss on their own home field against the Buffalo Bills. That game was 14-7 in favor of Buffalo. Duke Williams with the touchdown for the Bills. 
Yardage and offense through the air is going to be at a premium in this game. Two top 10 pass defenses. The secondary is very active for both of these teams. Denver, the number five secondary in football. Tennessee clocking in at number 10. And that's also bad news for the Titans' fifth worst pass offense. So Marcus Mariota moving the ball through the air. That's going to be a, a, certainly a question mark. So what this game is really going to come down to is Derrick Henry versus Philip Lindsay. Which one of those two backs is going to have the better day? I've been saying it all season. I feel like I said it all last season, and I'm going to say it one more time. Derrick Henry is the most disrespected running back in football. All Derrick Henry does is rip off big gains and score touchdowns. And people talk about him. Actually, sorry. People don't talk about him. They act like he doesn't exist. He gets the Jordan Howard treatment. And it's like, at what point was Jordan Howard, did the, the football community just decide that Jordan Howard was nothing? Same deal here. At what point did the football community just decide Derrick Henry is not a starting running back he is not only a starting running back i would put him inside the top 20 at the position in all of football derrick henry is disrespected for what he actually brings to the football field this is going to be an opportunity another opportunity for him to show that and yet again rub it in the face of everybody in the fantasy community in the football community who doesn't talk about this guy enough I think he's going to do that. I'm going to take the road team here. I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans on the road as the underdog. I think they come up with the upset here. Tennessee beats Denver. On the line, Denver's laying two and a half points at home as the favorite. We like Tennessee to win. So I'm going to take those two and a half points, take the Titans plus two and a half. Total in the game set at 39 points. I don't think this game gets to 30, so I feel real good about taking the under on this one with these two defenses. Let's stay under 39 points in Denver, Tennessee. Let's go Titans 17, Broncos 10. And the last game we're going to look at sees the Los Angeles Chargers playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers with yet another quarterback injury. Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph suffering a nasty, nasty concussion in their game last week. He is in protocol. Seems unlikely that Mason Rudolph will come back to play, especially with Pittsburgh looking ahead to their bye week. Their bye week coming next week in week seven. Why would they rush Mason Rudolph back out there to potentially get hurt again before the bye? So Pittsburgh now down to their third string quarterback, which is just not good news for a team that's one and four the chargers are very quickly becoming one of those teams that i i don't know what they are they're a team that can score points for sure they're averaging about 21 a game they're a defense that can play fairly well they're only giving up about 19 but they're not reliable they've lost two of their three games at home Uh, they've lost their only division game I, i don't know what they are But you look at the Steelers, I don't know what the Steelers are with their third string quarterback. So, I mean, I guess these two teams are in good company. What I do know is that one of these teams is a top five passing offense, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers. I also know that one of these teams is the fourth worst total offense in football, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Given that the game's in Los Angeles, given the quarterback injury, given the probably looking ahead to the bye week to try to get a little healthy 
I have to be on the Chargers here. So we're going to take Los Angeles at home to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Start the Steelers off 1-5. and five. Certainly not the way the Steelers thought this season was going to go. On the line, just like last week, the Chargers are favored by just under a touchdown at 6.5 points. Now, I fell for this last week. I took this number. And uh, I'm going to fall for it again this week. I'm going to take that number again because it's under a touchdown. It feels like a true reflection of the difference between what I think these two teams are, especially with Pittsburgh on their third string quarterback. I, I got to lay those points because it's, I mean, it's under a touchdown. If that number went to seven, I might look at it and be like, you know what? I, ugh, boy, but it's, I got to lay it. I got to lay the points. We're going to lay that six and a half points and we are going to take the Chargers at home minus six and a half. Total in the game set at 41 points. I've got to go under on it because I have no idea what the Steelers offense is going to look like with a third string quarterback. I've only got the game capped at like a mid 30. So I think we're going to stay under 41 points in Pittsburgh, Los Angeles. Let's go Chargers 22, Pittsburgh 10. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week six of NFL action in 2019. We'll start, as always, with the bronze pick, where I'm underwater in all three phases. Only two and three straight up with the bronze pick. One and four against the spread and one and four on the total. Let's turn this bad boy around. Starting this week, we've got the New York Jets playing host to the Dallas Cowboys. Now the Cowboys dropping that game against the Green Bay Packers last week. It was a 10 point loss at home in Dallas. Green Bay winning that game 34 to 24. The Jets obviously got embarrassed last week like we've talked about a time or two on this show, losing 31 to 6 in Philadelphia. Dallas mounted a comeback in that game against Green Bay. Green Bay definitely let them back into that game. And it was just like a little mental mistake here and there from Dak Prescott. Part of it was he was not getting any protection because he had multiple injuries on the offensive line. And that is one of those things that I think... Dallas is not really going to have to worry about this week. Look, they're the number one total offense in football are the Dallas Cowboys. The Jets are the worst total offense in football. I don't think the Jets can move the ball on the Cowboys. I don't think the Jets can move the ball on almost anybody, but certainly not on the Dallas Cowboys. Now the protection, it could be a little bit of a concern. Cowboys tackle Lale Collins injuring his knee in that game against Green Bay. He did not return to that game last week, but per coach Jason Garrett, his MRI came back, quote, fine. His status is still uncertain, but I mean, the possibility exists that they could get both Tyron Smith and Lale Collins back for this game, and that's both tackles, and if they're both back in the game and playing at 75 to 80%, Dak Prescott should have all the time in the world to make plays in the pass game, and that should be more than enough to beat the Jets. So we're going to take Dallas on the road here in New York. Cowboys beat the Jets. On the line, the silver and blue are favored by eight and a half full points on the road in New York, which seems like a really big number, but that number is justified because Dallas should be able, and I didn't even mention Zeke Elliott, Dallas should be able to put up points almost at will in this football game. I don't think the Jets have anything for them. So look, it's under double digits. So I'm going to lay those points. Let's grab Dallas minus eight and a half in New York. Total in the game set at 43.5 points. I don't have this game hitting 40, 
So I like the under in this one. We're going to stick under 43 and a half points in Dallas, New York. Let's go Cowboys 30, Jets 6. We got the Cowboys straight up. We are hammering the Cowboys minus eight and a half against the spread in a game that stays under 43 and a half points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick where I am three and two across the board so far this season, three and two straight up, three and two against the spread and three and two on the over under sees my Green Bay Packers at home playing host to Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions. Obviously rivalry game here division matchup Detroit coming into the game off of their bye so should be well rested and ready to roll Packers have about a two game cushion in the NFC North as of right now sitting at four and one they lost two weeks ago but came back with that 10 point victory that I just mentioned against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas last week at four and one, I think the Packers are doing quite well, especially on the offensive side. You're looking at about 24 points a game, something around that number. The Lions are only scoring about as much as they're giving up, and they did lose two weeks ago. This will also be Green Bay's third division game already. They are a perfect 2-0 against division opponents so far. Three of their four wins have come against the NFC. Meanwhile, Detroit... They haven't lost against the NFC yet, but they have not played a division game. This is also going to be a very tall task for the Lions in the secondary. They have the third worst pass defense in the NFL to this point this season. Now, they've had to deal with a plethora of injuries, especially on the defensive side. So a lot of that can be explained away by injuries, but not all of it. And you got to try to stop Aaron Rodgers based on how he played last week with the third worst pass defense in football. Good luck. Now look, to the Lions' credit, they've won four straight games head-to-head against Green Bay, but only one of those four games was actually a full game with Aaron Rodgers. I believe two of them were with Brett Hundley. Uh, One, Rodgers played a little bit of the game, but then got injured and had to leave. And then again, there was the one game where he played the full game. In the six head-to-head matchups prior, all six of them with Aaron Rodgers for a full game, Packers are 4-2 and straight up, And they're 4-2 against the spread. Also worth noting, the favorite in this head-to-head matchup has covered 8 of the last 10 games. I'll leave you to guess who the favorite is in this matchup. That is my Packers, and I, I feel good about Green Bay here. I was really impressed with what they did for the most part last week. I think the defense looking really, really good. I think they should have another pretty darn good day. Should be able to wrap up carry on Johnson for an average day. So let's take the Packers here at home. I think a decent spot, even though it's a division game. Let's take the Packers to beat the Lions. On the line, Green Bay's laying four and a half points as the favorite at home. I think they cover it. Like I said, favorite has covered uh, eight of the last ten. And uh, it's under a touchdown, which I think is a relatively realistic difference between these two teams. So let's take the Packers minus four and a half at home against Detroit. Total in the game set at 47 points. I have this thing getting over 50 and are probably approaching a mid. So I feel pretty good about taking the over here. Let's go over 47 points in Green Bay, Detroit. We're going to go Packers 30, Lions 24. Packers win straight up. We're hammering the Packers minus four and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 47 points. That is your silver pick.
My gold pick, Ryan, four and one straight up and three and two on the over under, but have yet to cover against the spread this season, sees the Baltimore Ravens at home, division matchup, playing host to the Cincinnati Bengals. Ravens on the injury side have lost Tony Jefferson for the season, torn ACL, and according to Coach Harbaugh, he probably suffered additional damage in the knee. So, Tony Jefferson may have a very, very, very long road back to football, and I wish him the best. Ravens got back to business last week, a 26-23 victory. That was in overtime against the Pittsburgh Steelers, so second straight division matchup for Baltimore here. They came out on the happy side last week. The Cincinnati Bengals have yet to win this season. They're 0-5, dropping that three-point decision at home against the Cardinals. Not a good look. Offensively, there's basically no comparing these two teams. The Ravens, the number three total offense in football. They're getting it done in both facets that way. Cincinnati inside the bottom 10 in terms of total offense on the season. And the Bengals are also the second worst total defense in football. I just don't think the Bengals have much of anything for Baltimore in this game. If they do, Andy Dalton might be able to do some damage through the air. The Ravens are the fourth worst pass defense in the NFL, but I don't think that's going to be nearly enough to win this football game. Baltimore obviously cut things pretty close last week, going to overtime against the Steelers with a third-string quarterback, but I, I think they're going to want to come out and make a statement at home in this game. I think they're going to do just that. So let's take the Ravens in a big, bad way. Baltimore over Cincinnati. On the line, Ravens are an 11.5 point favorite at home against Cincy, but I think with how bad that Bengals defense is, I think that number's justified, and I think I've got to lay it. It's under two touchdowns. I think Baltimore should be able to cover that number against this team. So let's take the Baltimore Ravens minus 11.5 points at home against Cincinnati. Total in the game set at 48 points. I've got this thing at a high 50, maybe even pushing a 60. Now, you know what? Let's do it. Let's go low 60 in this one, in fact. So I feel really good about going over the 48 points in Baltimore, Cincinnati. Let's go Baltimore 39, Cincinnati 22. Ravens straight up. We got the Ravens covering minus 11 and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 48 points. That is your gold pick and the platinum pick, the final game on the week, the New England Patriots at home taking on the New York Giants. Both of these teams have some injury issues to report for the Patriots. Wide receiver Philip Dorsett injuring his hamstring last week. It's considered minor, but per Adam Schefter, it's looking like a week-to-week situation. So Philip Dorsett probably going to miss a prime opportunity to put up decent numbers against what is an average at best Giants secondary. News doesn't get any better for the Giants. Running back Wayne Gallman suffering a concussion in that game last week. He's in protocol. He appears doubtful to play at this point. And also, per Giants beat reporter Paul Schwartz, it looks like Saquon Barkley's potential return this week should be considered a long shot. So, Giants would be down to a third string running back against the best defense in football. Patriots have yet to taste defeat on the season, only giving up about a touchdown a game. This defense playing all-world incredible, and the offense just firing on all cylinders as well, up over 30 points a game. 
Giants, meanwhile, on the unhappy side of their game last week, they dropped a decision, the 28-10 at home against Minnesota last week. And uh, there's not a lot, I don't think, that people should be crazy optimistic about, to be honest, with the Giants until Saquon comes back. I think they've also got Sterling Shepard in concussion protocol, and it's it, an an understaffed Giants team is not going to beat the Patriots this week. It's simply not happening. We're taking the Patriots and throwing all the money in the world on them. Let's take New England and their number one total defense at home to beat the New York Giants and their third worst total defense in football. On the line, obviously, another big number. Patriots, 16.5-point favorites right now over the Giants. And you know what? I think the number's justified. I don't think the Giants are going to score many points here. That would mean New England would only have to get to, like, 20 to cover this number. I think they should get to 30 easily. So we're going to hammer that and take the Patriots minus 16.5 points. Total in the game set at 43. I actually think this is pretty well a perfect total. I think this is right around where it's going to land. But the two teams are a combined 3-7 and seven over under this season. I think the Patriots have only hit one over all year because that defense is just playing so otherworldly. So I think we're going to stick under on this one. It's going to be a bit of a sweat, but let's go under 43 points in New England, New York. I'm going to take... Patriots 35, I'm going to give the Giants a field goal. Let's go Patriots 35, Giants 3. So we're going to take the Patriots straight up. We've got the Patriots minus 16 and a half against the spread in a game that stays under 43 points. That is your platinum pick where I'm 4-1 and one straight up, but only 1-4 and four against the spread and over under. There you go, folks. Those are your picks for week six in the NFL 2019 season. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the week five episode goes to my good friend and fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator, Andrew Warren. He's been in the community for a number of years. Great guy, Patriots fan, but I don't hold that against him. His comment from the week five episode reads, I'll take the win over the Bills. I thank our special teams and our defense. They would not have won if not for them. And that was their game back in week four where the Patriots beat the Bills 16 to 10. I hope he does better next week against Washington. I don't think they'll cover the 15 and a half, but you never know. Well, they did cover the 15 and a half, absolutely clobbered them, which good information for you. Uh, good luck this week, buddy. Enjoy your vacation. Yes, I, I am finally back from vacation. I had a great time away, but you know what? I'm happy to be back and happy to be doing this and happy to read your comment, Andrew. Yours, the comment of the week from the week five episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, week six is now in the books. NFL football pick show for 2019. Thank you so much for listening. Yet again, like I said, I want to get my picks into a better spot. I want to get them better where I feel comfortable with them. I'm not comfortable right now. I'm frustrated right now with the way the betting picks have gone. Like I said, when I sit down here to do my week 10 episode in four weeks time, I'm going to be at 500 on both of those. I'm going to be at or above against the spread and at or above over under. And if I'm not, punishment time. And I've been thinking during the whole episode, what would be a decent punishment? I really, I like spicy food, but spicy food does not necessarily like me.
but pretty big Hot Ones fan. Might have to do something there. Enjoy the games in week six. I hope you do. And I'll see you again for week seven when the picks have turned the corner. Thank you.